I'm Pat Spaulding, and I will be interviewing Martha Reed Johnson, a storyteller who just told a wonderful story about finding home. Mm -hmm. Martha, um, I would like to just ask you right off at the beginning, when you got interested in storytelling and what keeps you going with it? Um, my parents will say I was good at getting out of trouble with telling stories um, <laughs> as a young child. Um, I've also worked for a principal who didn't quite appreciate my long stories when there was trouble. But I actually got involved with storytelling as an art when I was working with um, children who had parents who were drug and alcohol addicted. And I worked with them in the schools during the school year, and then I ran a summer camp for them. And I hired a professional storyteller to come to an artist in residency, and she told stories and had the students create unbelievable artwork and tell stories, and I just saw that there was a magical connection that was created in just that much time between a story and a listener, and I got fascinated. And so I started working with her, um, that was probably in the mid-90s, on using storytelling in counseling work with, with students, and then I've just been traveling and listening to tellers and finding places to tell stories. Did you start with traditional tales or uh, first-person experience or stories about people that you knew or what? I've done, I started with traditional tales and then got into doing personal narrative stories as a way to help students telling their stories as part of that therapeutic process of working with, with students. And then when I started getting involved with kind of performance telling festivals, I gravitated towards the telling personal narrative stories and humorous stories, and um, and now I've kind of wanted to get a little back into the traditional tales, but I find when I go into a classroom now, students want me to tell true stories. They want to say, Ms. Johnson, is it a true story? And so I have to Good. find a way back and forth. Keep that going. Yes. I think we need more true stories. Yes, <laughs> true tales. Yeah. First ex person experience yes. one. And you just returned to New England from being in South Carolina for yes. quite a while. I was in for 15 years in South Carolina. Oh, okay. I was in Maryland and West Virginia before that, but 35 years south of that Mason-Dixon line. Because you're a New England girl, right? Yes. Okay, and so you're back. I'm back. I'm back. And in fact, they you know, would call me a damn Yankee when I was in South Carolina. I know, I've been called that. Yes, until I moved away, because really the difference between a Yankee and a damn Yankee is the damn Yankees stay and the Yankees go back home. <laughs> 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 but I didn't understand all that when I moved there. And the first time I was introduced on stage to tell, the teller said, oh, she's a Yankee, but we love her anyways. And I got on stage and I said, no, I'm a Red Sox. I don't understand. Red Sox fan. I had that problem, too. I told some stories in the South because it was about my, my dad. And I, I, around here, I introduced him as a consummate Yankee, you know, and, uh, being very, uh, well, not Scrooge-like, but... Pretty fussy with a with a dollar, and um, just I realized, oh, I can't. I have to lead up to what a Yankee is if I'm going to use that word. So I had to evaluate all that. Mm -hmm. Right. So when you were down in the South, did you find as many opportunities for storytelling as, as around here? New Hampshire's got it going on. I'll yeah, tell we've you, got a lot. you've got it going on. And so I I didn't initially find a lot. So. I found another teller in my city, and we created a monthly story swap gathering in a coffee shop. And it turned out to be a delightful way that made that city feel like home. For the, you know many years before that, living there, I didn't really feel like it was home until I found other storytellers in the city. And they weren't necessarily 
tellers. They were just part of the community, but had stories to tell. And so we would gather at the coffee shop and tell did, stories. Did people show up monthly? Yes. You had a pretty good oh, yeah. There was probably a, about 10 that were kind of, 8 to 10 that were regulars. And then we could have anywhere from those 10, or sometimes 6 if a few were not there, to 40 people in the coffee shop. We never knew how many it would be. Um, and it was just a, a nice gathering. And, and so that small group of us got pretty close in sharing our stories. And were they mostly true stories? Oh, yes. They were yeah. all, um, for, the, for the most part. There was a couple tellers that would tell traditional tales, but most often they were true tales. So they must have missed you when you left. Yeah, I still miss, I miss them too. <laughs> so back to your stories. What do you find um, are the source of your stories? I mean, do you, when you go about crafting a story, do you start in different places? Mm -hmm. You said that you craft your stories orally. You yes. speak them rather than writing right. them out first. Right. Um, I do write stories as well, but um, to, I find that when I tell a story, I tell it orally first, and sometimes I will tell it for a long time orally before I try to write it. They're do you tell it to different. the walls or tell it to people? People. Opportunities like either coffee shops or classrooms or festivals or just different places that tellers are gathering. Um, and then sometimes it will become a written tale. But sometimes I have stories that are just written and just told. They're not, sometimes they're not always both. Um, but I find stories that kind of, in crafting a story, that's what some people I like to call it story mining. It's kind of how do you dig and find your stories. Um, and that I can do through you know family photos, items in home. I have a heirloom pocket watch that is a, a story that, I'm, that I tell quite often. Um, my father was an avid photographer, so we have thousands and thousands of slides and we'll go through and look at a picture and I'll look at that photo and I'll think well what was going on before that and what was going on after and who are the characters that created that memory and find a story in it. Well you said that you had returned home to do some um, care for your mother yes. and so you have gone to the family home where there's lots of stuff to go through. Yes there is. Many <laughs> of us are going through or have gone through that mm -hmm. and so if you're finding these photos that um, have stories in them. What, mm -hmm. what do you do with the objects? Have you, I mean, if you're wanting to get rid of stuff and say, like, oh, this reminds me of who, you can't keep it all. So how do you? When I was getting ready to move here and was selling my home and trying to get rid of as much as I could because I didn't want to bring much to a house that was already full of too much stuff, I um, would look at an item and think, does it have a story? Um, and do I need the item to make the story? And sometimes the story is just, I can remember the story and share the story without having that item or that photo. Um, some things I would look at and say, if there's a story, I'm not quite sure what it is yet, so I'll keep that. Um, sometimes I took a picture of things and, you know, you know, kind of cataloged the memory that way. That'll be a story later. When you're writing family or telling family stories, crafting them, um, you're saying that your story is different than the stories about the same incident that a brother or sister may have. Oh, yeah. And you, you cited one particular little piece that was pretty interesting. Yeah, kind of, share that. my family has a, a camp somewhat similar to yours. It's in the wilderness of Nova Scotia that you have to, you know, sail, canoe, or hike to. And when we were building it, I was eight, my sister was six, and my brothers were teenagers and one in their 20s. And there was a, a significant accident where um, a chisel flew across a, a clearing and my sister's leg was sliced from the knee to the ankle, arterial blighting, bleeding. It was frightening. And we had to get her into a sailboat across the lake, you know, drive 40 miles to the nearest emergency room. 
And that, we all lived that experience. And just a few years ago, it happened 40 years ago or so, we, a couple years ago we were at a family summer party and my sister was sitting and swinging her leg with her scar and my oldest brother said, I feel so bad that I did that to you. And we all looked at him and said, you didn't do it, he did. And it, his memory was that he had been the one that threw the chisel, but it was the other brother. And so we had this opportunity to share the story of this memory, and we all had different pieces of it. It was fascinating <laughs> to pull it all together. Because nobody you know? had pulled out their iPhone at the time. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Mm -mm. On that note, uh, you were saying that this time of year, the Thanksgiving, mm -hmm. the holidays coming up, is um, a time for stories. We just got to elaborate on it's, that. Well, it's a time that often you gather with family members that you may not see other times of the year. And it's an opportunity to capture some stories and ask questions, and you get those different perspectives of different people's experience with the same story. And we just had an 85th birthday party with my mother, and she said she wanted no gifts, so the deal was bring a story. And the stories that came out of the stories that were brought were just fascinating. And so I just so encourage you, tell your stories, share That's your right. stories. Put down your phones. <laughs> Meet together. Tell each other stories. And I would like to thank you, Martha, for joining us and sharing your wonderful story thank earlier you. on, telling us a little bit about your process and what you've gone through to get all the way from the south to here. We're glad you're back. I am too. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Drew Tales Live on PPM-TV is made possible through the generous support of Artists Collaborative Theatre of England, Act One, presenting outstanding performances of Stories with Heart at the West End Studio Theatre in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. For further information, contact 603-300-2986 or on the web at act1nh.org. With additional support from Pat Spaulding, who really wants to know Hey, what's your story?